start with verse 17. We're going to be dealing with the labor, labor water basin today. Praise God. The labor. Say the labor. There is so much in this one piece of furniture. It's, a, it's amazing. Uh, let me read the verse of Scripture, then I'll let you sit down. Verse 17, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash with all. Thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they, do, that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statue forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. Okay, let's pray for the word today. Father, we just come before you, Lord. We ask God that you give us inspiration. We know your word is already anointed. We thank you, God, for the anointing. Inspire us, God. Give us understanding concerning the tabernacle. We thank you, Lord God, for this tabernacle. It teaches us, God, your ways, Father. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise for what's going to happen in this service today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, in Jesus' name. Lift your hands one more time and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Lift your voice, if you would, please, and magnify the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. God, I worship you today. Yes, God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. One more time, give Him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name. God, we give you praise for deliverance. We give you praise for forgiveness. We give you praise for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I worship you, Lord. I glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Before we actually look at the labor, let me very quickly go through the, uh, the breakdown of the tabernacle here, the way it's pictured in the Bible. This is the way it looks. This is the altar, a burnt offering, halfway between this gate and the tabernacle itself. It doesn't really look proportionally that way here, but that's the way it is. And then the altar, a burnt offering, just halfway between the tabernacle and the altar is this laver that is right here. You go on up into the tabernacle itself. You have the table of showbread. You have the golden candlestick over here. The altar of incense just in front of the veil. The Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant resided. Now, as we look at this, though, you'll notice that it's in a very interesting shape. It's in the shape of a cross. Y'all see that? Okay, because it all points to Calvary. It all points to Jesus Christ hanging on that cross. Jesus Christ being on the cross, this would be where His feet would be. 
In Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says that his feet is as it were a burning in a furnace. Brass. Say bra- brass. Like bra- uh, bronze burning in a furnace. As he was hanging on the cross, then the judgment for our sin came upon him, and the blood flowed out of his body down to the foot of the altar, just as they poured out the blood at the foot of the altar. His blood flowed out of his body down to his feet. There's, that would be where his feet would be. The labor would be where his knees would be. This speaks of baptism, also possibly prayer, but more like a picture of his baptism. Amen? That he was baptized as an example for us. Going up, we would see that his hands would be nailed to the cross. You see this? Hands would be nailed to the cross like this. Revelation 1.20. Let's go over there and look at this. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20. Scripture tells us there. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches or the ministry of the seven churches. Right? And where are they? They're in his right hand. Okay, so on his, in his right hand we have the table of showbread. Amen, you with me? Amen. Table of showbread. His ministry is in his right hand. Alright, the table of showbread, the table itself is the ministry. The showbread is the word of God. You see that? And he's got, his, got the ministry in his hands. Got the table of showbread in his hand. See that? Over here is the golden candlestick. Revelation 1.20 tells us also the meaning of the golden candlestick. It says, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So it represents the church in his other hand. So we have the golden candlestick in this hand. We have the ministry in this hand stretched out on the cross. Then just above that we have the altar of incense. That's where you would find the heart of Jesus Christ. And this is a picture and type of prayer and worship unto God. So that's where His heart is. And then you keep on going through the tabernacle structure and you get to the Ark of the Covenant and that's His throne room. That's where He's crowned. That's His head. His head is crowned. So the feet, the altar, His knees, the labor, table of showbread, His hand, golden candlestick, another hand, the altar bends since his heart, and then you go up into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, and that's the throne room of God, and that's where he is crowned. Now, what you need to understand is this, is that he had to experience every one of these things in his life to be crowned. How many of y'all want to be crowned? Do you know not everybody's going to be crowned? Not everybody's going to make it. You know, a lot of people, they repent. They get baptized in Jesus' name. And even get the Holy Ghost. But you know they're not going to make it. They're not going to be crowned. Because this shows us that just as Jesus Christ experienced every one of these. And we'll study, we are studying them in detail. You and I have to experience every one of the pieces of this furniture if you're going to be crowned. You with me? You've got to have repentance. You've got to have water baptism. You've got to be feeding on the Word of God to overcome your flesh. You've got to be in the house of God hearing the Word preached. If you want to be crowned, you hear? 
we'll get into the golden candlestick, all that it represents, this altar of incense, prayer. You're going to have to have a prayer life if you're going to be crowned. See, most people could overcome their flesh and the problems of their life if they would just pray. But people don't pray. So you got to pray if you want to be crowned. Amen. So I want to be crowned. I want to, so you have to go through all of these things in order to be crowned. That's why we're studying them in detail because I want to make it into glory. I don't want to just start the race. I want to finish the race. I want to get there. I want to be crowned. So you have to experience every one of the pieces of those furniture to make it into glory with a crown upon your head. Because there's a lot of people that start out the race, but they don't finish the race. I'll tell you why. Because they've neglected one of the pieces of those furnitures in their life. Hallelujah. And they let their flesh control their thinking and their reasoning and their mind and their feelings and their problems and their circumstances. They can't get their self beyond that. They can't get into the spiritual. They're only dealing with the presence. Amen. So you got to be able to overcome this flesh. Your flesh wants its way. Amen. So I want a crown. All right, let's go again to Exodus chapter 30. I'll read a few verses, and I'm going to show you this labor, because it is a very powerful message for us. Amen? Okay, this probably is not actually the way the labor looks, but it'll give you the idea. Hallelujah. By the way, they have already built the labor. Uh, there's a, they, they've redone re, uh, the labor, so they have a labor right now in Israel. It looks a little bit different than this one here. Hallelujah. Okay, notice this labor here. It's made out of solid brass. There's no wood in it. It is sol- it's a solid piece of brass. Now, what is brass again? It's the judgment of God. It is built to contain or to hold water. Say water. Washing. Say washing. This is where the priest would come and wash. There's two aspects to this labor. So let me go over here and show you the first aspect of it. In Exodus 29 and verse 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. There's two types of washing in the word of God. Okay? First type of washing, the first aspect of this labor is a type of water baptism. So, first step in approaching God are y'all with me still? <laughs> okay, remember we come up to that, that gate there, upholding the Lord Jesus Christ? Four posts upholding the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, upholding the Lord of glory and all of His beauty there. That's the Gospels. But to get beyond the Gospels, to experience or to apply what Jesus has done for your life, you've got to go into the book of Acts. Now, the Gospels do not give you detail about the new birth. They don't. Uh, Jesus makes reference to the new birth in John chapter 3. He said, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God. But He doesn't tell you specifics about being born of the water and the Spirit, does He? You with me? In the Gospels, He tells us that we we must repent, we must be baptized in His name. But we don't have details given to us in the Gospels about the new birth. So you've got to go beyond the Gospels and find out details in the book of Acts. So whenever you get into this area of the labor, 
This is the second step that you take and you're in the book of Acts now. So don't tell me the book of Acts is not important for salvation. And don't tell me the message they they preached uh, is not necessary. Because the book of Acts is the book that is the fifth book of the Bible. It's the, the book of grace. It takes you into the dispensation of grace. And we find the message preached to the lost telling them how to be saved. So you've got to have the book of Acts to understand what those apostles preached to the lost, telling them how to get in the kingdom of God. So when you get in this beyond the veil, or beyond the gate, I should say, the first thing you come to is what? We studied it last week. The altar. How many were here last week? Okay, what did we study last week? Oh, I just wanted to make sure. I mean, I spent an hour and a half, two hours on that. And if you don't remember, oh my, where am I now, you know? Where are we now? First thing you do, and when you come to God, first thing He did was die for you on the cross. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to die too. You've got to repent of your sins. But that's the first step. It's not the last step. It's the first step. What's the second step? Well, you keep on walking. You go from the altar, then you go to this labor. The next step is water baptism. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not all you need. You keep on walking. You go into the tabernacle. You start praising Him. The altar of incense. You start worshiping Him with your hands lifted up. Sign of surrender. Be you filled with the Spirit of God. So you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's regeneration. We do not teach this is regeneration. We do not teach baptismal regeneration. Because then we would say you don't need the Holy Ghost. That all you got to do is repent and get baptized and you're saved. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you must repent, be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to have all of that in order to be born again. Now a lot of people, they've gone to the first step, they've repented, gone to the second step, they've got baptized, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. So they need the Holy Ghost. Are you with me now? So the first aspect of this labor is baptism in Jesus' name, right? And I know, well, some of y'all are sitting there saying, well, I've heard some of this. Well, I don't care if you've heard it or not. I'm going to teach you till it flows out of your brain, out of your ears, out of your socks. I, don't give me that stuff, man. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to teach I don't care if you've heard it a thousand times. I'm going to teach it till you hear it a million times. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you can't explain it, you haven't heard it enough. Alright? you got to do something with what you know. Don't come here and say, oh, give me something new when you don't even use what you got. So when you get up here and do what I do, then I think I've, I've taught you enough. Alright? So the first aspect of it is, do, uh, is uh, Exodus 29 and verse 4. Okay, are you there? There's two aspects of it. All right, and Aaron and his sons, thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shalt wash them with water. Amen? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but uh, if you study the history behind this, you will find that they would go and just inside of the door and and just in front of this uh, labor here, they would pinch a beautiful linen tent. And this priest would walk into that tent. He'd take his clothes off. And they would wash him from head to toe. 
Every bit of his body was washed by that water. And it was only done one time to that priest. When Aaron was washed and those other men were washed, that's it. They didn't ever pitch that tent again and walk back in there and have their heads, their whole body washed. One time. So this aspect of the labor speaks of baptism in water in the name of Jesus. We only do it one time. You don't have to get rebaptized every time you uh, have a bad thought, do something bad, or, or say a bad word. Aren't you glad for that? I know I'm glad for that. I'd, I'd be wore completely out. Every time you came to church, I need to be baptized again, Pastor. So thank God this first aspect is baptism. You only do it one time, once and for all. Don't need to do it again. The only reason why you would need to redo it is if you didn't repent when you got baptized the first time or you didn't understand what you were doing when you did it. Say amen. Because okay, it's a one-time thing. You don't have to get rebaptized over and over. So this uh, verse here, chapter 29, verse 4, gives us that. Now go to Exodus 30, which we read from in verse 19. This is the second aspect of this labor. <clears throat> All right, it says, For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. Now this is a continual washing. They did this continually. They, as they ministered, before they could minister, they washed their hands, they washed their feet. This has to do with the Word of God. Do you understand that? Say the Word of God. I'll tell you what I'll do. Let's go over to uh, Ephesians 5. And let me show you this aspect. Hallelujah. See, some people say, well, I'm washed by the, the water of the Word. I don't need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Okay? So does that mean we're going to walk up with our Bibles and we're going to wash you with the Word? No, you've got to experience the first aspect, water baptism, and you've also got to experience the second aspect. You don't experience this, either one of them. If you don't experience the first aspect, water baptism, you don't experience the second aspect, the cleansing of the, uh, the water of, of the Word, you'll not make it. You have got to overcome your flesh. And the only way you can overcome your flesh and the contamination of this world is to hear the Word of God preached to you. And every time you come to church and you hear the Word of God preached to you, all those worldly contaminations that you have picked up between Wednesday and Sunday are cleansed away. All those fleshly things are dealt with and judged by God. Amen. They're judged by God. They're dealt with. And we line up. We get ourselves back in line with the will of God. So you've got to have both. So let's look at Ephesians 5. Now this is interesting to me. Because this... Okay, let me read it and then I'll do some teaching. Ephesians 5. Are you there? Praise God. I'm going to tell you something, church. Not everybody's going to make it. They're not, they're not going to make it. 
Okay, Ephesians 5, let's see, 26. I'll tell you what, let me back up to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Because the church is his bride. The church is his wife. You got to hold on to everything I'm telling you because it's all going to fit in. It's so powerful to me to see this verse in the context of the bride and the bridegroom. Okay? Notice what it says in verse 26. That he might sanctify it, say set apart, and cleanse it. Cleanse it with the washing. The washing of water by the word. Psalm says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed unto the Word of God. You want to be clean, the only way you're going to get clean, you've been baptized, that's right. No problem. That puts you in Christ. But if you want to fellowship with Him, you've got to hear the Word preached to you. That's the only way you're going to overcome this world. The devil in the flesh is to hear the word of the living God preached to you. And it's continually cleansing you. Every time you come to church, this aspect is getting you rapture ready. Without the second aspect of this labor, you will not be rapture ready. This is getting us rapture ready. Okay. Now, now. Praise God. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Okay. Y'all get that? Those two aspects. How many of y'all love God? All right. Notice what it says in verse 30. When you go into, uh, verse 20. When you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water they shall, that they die not, or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn offerings made by fire unto the Lord. You've got to keep washing. Washed you one time in Exodus what was it, 29 and verse 4? But now you've got to keep washing. See? Hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let me give you an example of this. Uh, remember when Jesus was going to wash the feet of the disciples? All right, here it tells us that the priests were to wash their hands and their feet. Okay. Remember, Peter didn't want, to be, didn't want his feet washed by Jesus? That is the second, the picture of the second aspect of this labor. Remember? Oh, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And what did the Lord tell Peter? If I wash you not, you have no part with me. It did not say that Peter didn't have part in him. It said he didn't have part with him. With me? So the baptism in Jesus' name and the filling of the Holy Ghost puts you in Christ. But if you want a fellowship with Christ, you have to have that continual reading of the Word of God every day of your life and the continual preaching of the Word of God so that you can be with Christ. See, I'm in Christ, but I, I want a fellowship with Him. And I want to be with Christ. And without the second aspect, I have no part with Him. Are you here? Okay. So y'all see that two aspects, right? Say, look at your neighbor and say, last piece of furniture. 
you will notice here in Exodus that this is the last piece of furniture that is described for us in this tabernacle plan. Say furniture. Last piece of furniture. These are the last words to Moses concerning furniture. Very important, right? Go with me. Say last words. The last words of any person is very important. They're, they're fixing to pass away from this life. You want to hear what they're going to say to you. Because they're very important. See, I know what I'm talking about. I, when Brother Dice, just before he passed away, I went and saw him. Last time I saw him alive, he said some things to me and my wife. And I listened very intently because they were the last words he ever spoke to me. Last words are tremendously important. Amen? These are the last words concerning the furniture from God to Moses. And he says, wash at the labor that you die not. Mark 16, 15, the last words of Jesus before he ascends up, was he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It doesn't say he that believeth and is saved shall be baptized. That's a doctrine that's taught today in a lot of churches. Well, you believe you accepted Christ, you're saved, so now you just go get baptized. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach he that believeth and is saved shall be baptized. It teaches he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Okay? And they were the last words of Jesus Christ. And remember it says, Wash at the labor that you die not... So now we know that if we don't wash, he that believeth and is baptized, we will not be saved. See the type and the anti-type, how it fits together. That's, in, that's your basic search for truth teaching. You can get that in search for truth, right? Okay, y'all understand that, right? See how important this is. Alright, look at your neighbor and say, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let's get the word of God and not opinions of men. Okay, so you need both of them. You need baptism and you need that daily cleansing of the Word. You need to be in the Word of God every day of your life. You need to be reading. You need to be praying. If you're going to be crowned, you want to be crowned. I want to tell you something in case you don't know it. Your flesh is so powerful and so strong that if you don't pray and you don't fast and you don't get in this book, you'll you'll go into the world. Your flesh will control you. It will dominate you. So you've got to have it so you don't die. Thank God. I'd have already died. I would have already died, see, if I didn't have the Word of God and the church. All right. That's why this, the Bible tells us in Romans, it tells us that God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Notice it doesn't say He's chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. He has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If you don't come and hear the Word of God preached and you don't think you need a pastor and you don't think you need a preacher, you're going to be damned and go into a devil's hell. You cannot make it without the Word. He that... 
Okay. He's chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save the believer. The second aspect of the labor. You've got to have it, man. It's not your preacher not just get up and say, well, I want you to be in church, you know, just beating his head on the pulpit, you know, just so you'll be a number in the house. It's so that you can be in heaven and not go to hell so that you can be saved. Amen. Praise God. Now, so look, notice it says, Thou shalt also make a labor of brass. And we'll get into that in just a little bit, uh, where it came from. Y'all pretty much know where it came from, right? Give God praise. See, I, see <clears throat> this word of God here is like the brass, but it's like the water also. The word of God is a judge. You with me? I'll tell you where it came from later, but I want you to see this, all right? Jesus Christ is the laver. And he's standing there in the open. And he's standing there in Revelation. And what's he doing in Revelation? Standing in the midst of the church. And what is he doing? He's judging the church with eyes as a flame of fire. When you come to church, the Word of God is like brass. It judges you. It brings your life into line with the will of God. It judges you. It puts you under conviction. You don't like it. Your flesh don't like it. But it's got to be preached if you're going to be saved. Your attitude, your soul man, it doesn't like it. But it has to be preached. So you've got to be judged. But the awesome thing about the Word is the same God that judges us. The same God that smites us with conviction is the same God who heals the wounds that He afflicts. And He judges us and He convicts us and He deals with our lives. But then He says, look into the water and the water will clean you up also. It won't just condemn you. It won't convict you only. But it will cleanse you. Hallelujah. Okay. Praise God. Isn't God good? Say the second step. Then you got to have that second aspect every day of your life. How many of y'all have problems with your flesh? If you don't lift your hand, come see me after church. I'm going to ask you to get saved. Because if you're saved, you got, you got problems with your flesh. And your flesh needs to be judged, needs to be convicted. Be the sword of the Lord God coming out of His mouth, dealing with your life, to line you up with His Word, to get you right. When you recognize your shortcomings, you don't walk out and excuse yourself. You don't say, well, I excuse myself from that God. No, you say, Lord, I recognize that that's right and I repent. I bow my knee. Just like you bowed your knee, Lord, I bow my knee. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. Praise God. Now notice uh, what it says, all right? It says you put water inside it. Say water inside. Man, where are you going to get water out in the middle of the desert? Put water in this. What are you talking about, God? Water in the desert. Where are we going to get water in the desert? 
Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. First Corinthians 10, verse 4. And then we'll go back to Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6. Praise God. Is everybody there? <coughs> Excuse me. First Corinthians 10 and verse 4. <coughs> did, I, did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Exodus 17, verse 6. <coughs> Exodus 17, verse 6. <coughs> Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. Thou shalt smite the rock. Who's the rock? Christ. You're going to smite this rock. And what's going to happen? And there shall come water out of it. That the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So the water came from the rock. And the rock was Christ Jesus. So the water that they put in the labor and all the water that they drank came from the rock Christ. So this is Jesus' name water. This isn't baptism in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is Jesus' name water. Woo, hallelujah. And notice it doesn't tell us the size of this labor. doesn't give us the dimensions. Numbers chapter 4, if you flip over there, and we, we don't have to do it right now, don't do that please, but later, write Numbers 4 down, you'll notice that the altar was covered, right? With the badger skin on the top and the purple underneath. We explained that to you last week, right? Badger skin was his outward appearance. There was no beauty that you should desire him. In his first coming. But underneath it's the purple. His second coming when he comes as king of kings and lord of lords. But this particular piece of furniture. The Bible doesn't tell us in Numbers 4. That there was any covering for it. No dimensions given. And no covering for it. No dimensions given. Because you cannot put a limitation. On the cleansing power. Of the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't limit its power. To cleanse. It'll cleanse the vilest sin. Yes, it will. The only person that can't be cleansed by this cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ is a reprobate. Somebody who has gone too far into the world, the devil and the flesh, that they've been captured. Reprobate can't. But if you're not a reprobate today, and you're not if you're sitting here, because if you were a reprobate, you wouldn't even want to come to church. Because what you have in you has died completely. No desire to know the Lord. 
So if you're here today, you're not a reprobate. So there's no limitation to its cleansing power. Doesn't mean that we go out and we sin willfully. But if we sin, we confess our sin. And He is faithful and just to cleanse us. If we sin. If you sin, we have an advocate to the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So there's no limitation. There's no dimension given. God said there's no limitation to my ability to cleanse you. There's no limitation to my ability to forgive your sin. If you sin, just come to me and ask me to forgive you. And I will forgive you. And it's not covered, which means it's always available to whosoever will. Let them come. Isn't God an awesome God? Praise God. All right, let's go over to Exodus 33. Let's look at this rock a little bit. Exodus 33. How can we be cleansed by water? (laughs) Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was the smitten rock. And because of Him being crucified, He puts power in the water for cleansing. Because the blood is in the water. You with me in this? Blood and water. Say blood and water. And mingle together. You understand that? That is a principle in the Old Testament. They took water and they put blood together. They would sprinkle it. They would mingle it together. The Red Sea. Red Sea. Red blood. Sea water. Mingled together. Cross through. Walk through. Cleanse, baptize into Moses in the sea and in the cloud. Baptize unto Jesus, my true Redeemer, in the sea and in the cloud. But it's a red sea and it's the Spirit of God. Red blood mingled with water, the sea, baptized into Moses. We're baptized unto Christ in water. Blood and water mingled together. I've got the water, but where's the blood come from? The blood, Acts 5.28 says, the blood is in the name. So when we baptize you in the name, then the blood and the water are mingled together and we're baptized unto Christ in the sea. Now the cloud, baptized in the sea and in the cloud, so we get the Holy Ghost too. See, all these types and pictures are pointing to where we are. Are you here? Okay. So what makes the, the, the water baptism effective is the blood that Jesus shed when He was smitten, the smitten rock of Calvary. With me? Hallelujah. Okay, let's look at it. Exodus 33, verse 18. And by the way, that's 1 Corinthians 10 tells you that they were baptized in the Moses in the sea and in the cloud. Okay? Uh-huh, 1 Corinthians 10. Okay, where, where did I say Exodus? Uh, thank you very much. In verse 18. I pray. Yeah, 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 okay. Remember Moses said... He said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. How many of y'all want to know the glory of God? There's a lot in this, okay? The weightiness of God, right? Show me your glory. All your attributes. I want to see your, 
the heaviness of your attribute of love, mercy, compassion, grace. Show me your glory. So anyway, and he said, I will make all my goodness. Say goodness. I'm going to make my goodness to pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and there thou shalt stand upon a rock. Say a rock. It shall come to pass while my glory passeth by. I'm going to cause my goodness to pass by you. I'm going to go walking by you. That I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, or the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Now, where'd the water come from? The rock. See, all right. Now, the Bible says this. And I will take away my hand, thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. With me? So what makes this water so powerful is that Jesus Christ was smitten. You understand? And so Moses wants to see the glory of God. So he says, God, show me your glory. God said, okay, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. I'm going to show you. My glory is my goodness. I'm going to go passing by you. You can't look on my face because if you look at my face, you'll die. So I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Put my hand over your face so you can't see. I'm going to pass by you and you're going to see my back parts, but my front parts you're not going to see. So what God is showing him is this. Calvary. Say Calvary. He's passing by. He's going forward. Moses is going to see his back parts. That means he's going to look forward to Calvary. We look today backward to Calvary, but he had to look forward to Calvary. And the goodness of God was demonstrated on that cross. And Moses put in the cleft of the rock the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and the open side of Jesus Christ where the water and the blood flowed out. Blood mingled with water flowed out of the side of Jesus Christ. That's the cleft of the rock. You see that? That's what makes baptism powerful in salvation is because of the death of Jesus Christ and the shedding of His blood and the pouring out of the water and the blood out of His side. The cleft of the rock was opened up. I can be hid in Him. I can be saved. I can be forgiven. But now look. Now I'm going to be able to look upon His face and not die. Because I have experienced the cleft of the rock. I someday will be able to look upon His face and not die. That's what makes it so powerful. Amen. Isn't God awesome? Are y'all, are y'all with me? Up to this point. Okay. Let's go to John 19. Let's look at this blood and water coming out of his side. John 19, 34. Is everybody there? Okay. 
and notice what the Bible says. One of the soldiers, which with a spear, pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. See that? Say blood and water. Out of where? His side. Okay. Let's uh, look at another scripture, if we could, please, in uh, Zechariah chapter 11. Zechariah chapter 11, say, blood and water out of his side. Man, that's beautiful. Okay, Zechariah chapter 11, 12 through 13. I said unto them, If you think good, give me my price, if not forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Say 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter a goodly price that I was priced out of them. I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Go to Leviticus, please. 27 and verse 8. Woman's value, God has put a value on the woman. <laughs> and the value He has put on a woman is 30 shekels or 30 pieces of silver. Now Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He's a man. But He's betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The valuation of a woman. So what is happening is this, is that he is purchasing a woman by his death on the cross. Because we got to find out what this woman's worth. We got to find out what this church is worth. And we got to pay that price. And so they betrayed him and they sold him for not 50 pieces of silver, but for 30 pieces of silver, the value of the woman that he died for, the church that he died for. Now, if you would please go to Matthew 26, 15. 26, 15. Aren't you glad he loved you that much? <laughs> Verse 15, he said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Judah says, What will you give me? And I'll betray him to you. And they said, 30 pieces of silver. Well, Zechariah 11 said that would be the amount of money that he would be betrayed for. We have the fulfillment of the prophecy, and it's exactly 30 pieces of silver. Woo! 
Go to Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and uh, verse 6. All right, now after Jesus dies on the cross, <clears throat> paying the price, the value of a woman, it's also, by the way, the, the price of an ox-gored slave. He was pierced. You with me? Gored. All right. Matthew 27, 6. Look at this. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for, to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Oh, this is so beautiful. Well, I, I, I might as well just share everything I know. See, the potter's field, you, you know what? Broken vessels. You know what they do with broken vessels, broken vases? They go out there and throw them in the potter's field. So the high priest, so I tell you what, we can't put them in the treasury. Let's just go by the potter's field with this money. Hallelujah. What he's showing you is this. Is that if you're a broken vessel today, the Lord paid the price for you. He went, he went into the potter's field. He picked up all the broken pieces of your life. And he said, I can put them back together because I bought the broken vessel. I bought the broken pottery. I can put it back together again. Matthew 27. Hey, look took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Hallelujah. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Say the field of blood. Hallelujah. By the way, I used to have a book called The Ashes of the Red Heifer. A little bitty little pamphlet. And I loaned it to somebody. And uh, you know what a rare volume is, don't you? A rare volume is when you loan a book, it comes back. <laughs> Amen, Sister Cecilia. She loaned me a book. And I, I thought it was mine. I put it on the shelf. She said, where's my book? I said, well. <laughs> she was all confused, you know. So anyway, I got a little pamphlet on the rash. She said, the red heifer. If you've got it, if you hand it to me, I'll love you. I won't condemn you. And I won't kill you. Just bring it back home where it belongs. It's crying for daddy. It's a little blue. I can describe it as blue in color. You know. A little, little, it's paperback. You've got it. It's crying for daddy. I had that book many, many years. I can't get it now. It's out of print. It's crying for daddy. By the way, in that book, they talked about the Hebrew word for the field of blood. The word blood there is in the feminine. It's Isha Kaldama. The woman's blood. Woo! It's the price of the woman's blood. 
So what I'm trying to show you is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, out of his side flowed blood and water. He was betrayed for the price of a woman. He bought you and I. He bought a church on the cross. And just out as the first Adam was put to sleep, and out of his side was taken a rib, and from that rib was made Ishai. Was made the woman Ishai. The last Adam died on a cross. And his side was opened up. And when his side was opened up, a new Eve was conceived. A woman came out of the side of the first Adam while the first Adam was asleep. And a woman came out of the last Adam while he was asleep on the cross. So remember when, let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2. Remember when uh, God made the woman for Eve? Or, yeah, made the woman for not Eve, definitely not Eve. For Adam. He has said, look at this, verse 23. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones. What I, I read to you in Ephesians 5 that the marriage pictures Christ and his bride. Okay? We are bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. It doesn't say Eve. It says she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man, right? All right, so God performed the first marriage ceremony himself. He was a presiding minister. He put the first Adam asleep, opened his side, and made him a Isha, Hebrew Isha. Presented him to Ad, to her, him to Adam. Oh, Lord, help me today. Presented her, her, to him. Hallelujah. Presented the woman. And she was the crown of God's creation. The woman is the most beautiful of all God's creation. She was the last one to be created. He's, she's the crowning work. Hallelujah. All the ladies said Amen. There's nothing more beautiful than a God. Sister Celia stuck her head. Sister Cecilia stuck her head out the, around the door and said, Amen. There's nothing more beautiful than a woman who's rightly related to God. That's why, that's why, on the other hand, there's nothing more damnable and disgusting than a woman who's not rightly divided. Well, one, one person said the reason why God created the woman last is because he didn't. Now, if he had created her before man, then uh, the woman would have told God how to create man. <laughs> and I said, hallelujah to that. <laughs> so he got everything finished. <laughs> the whole universe. <laughs> and said, 
It's good. <laughs> oh, you, all the husbands said amen. amen. <laughs> Created the woman, the crown of his creation. She's beautiful. Amen. May put her at the end, though. <sighs> Hallelujah. Presented her to the man. Married them together. And the man said, Isha. Most beautiful thing he had ever seen in his life. Isha. All the men said, Amen. Oh, don't sit there and look, act like you don't know what I'm talking about. First time you ever got a glimpse of your wife. Hope she's the only one you ever got a glimpse of. Didn't you say, Isha? Isha. Isha. <laughs> oh, my marriage seminar today. But, but see, when Adam was given his wife, he was given Isha, not Eve, but a woman, his lady. But after the fall, she was called Eve, which means the mother of all living. I want to ask your husband something today. Is your wife your Isha, your lady, or is she just the mama of your children? There's somebody to take care of your children for you. Next time you look at her, say, Isha, <laughs> my lady. <laughs> Glory to God. And some of you ladies that aren't married, that's why the Lord looks at you because you're his bride. But he not only looks at the ladies of the church that aren't married that way, he looks at the whole church that way and he says, Isha. I want to relate with you. I want to mate with you. I want to hug you. I want to hold you. I want to love you. Isha, my lady. The spitting rock. Blood and the water flowed out and the bride was born. That's what makes this so powerful. Isn't God good? Well, y'all might be wondering where I get all this, this type. So let's go to Romans 5. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say there's one man, Adam, and there's one wife. There's one God, and there's one church. Come on. So, where did I say, let's go? Thanks. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 5. See, Adam, the first Adam, is a figure of him that was to come. He's a type of the one that was going to come. So, what happened to Adam is going to happen to Christ. And if you want to know what Jesus looked like, just look to Adam because Jesus looked just like Adam looked when God created Adam. Romans 5. Y'all there? Y'all love the Lord? Isn't he just, he's just totally awesome. Okay, Romans 5, and I believe let's start in verse 12. 
Okay, it says, Wherefore as by one man, say one man, one man. Sin, in, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon, upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, which simply means this, that you've sinned, but you didn't sin like Adam. Adam, when he sinned, he plunged the whole human race into sin because he's the federal head of the whole race. He's the representative of the whole race, being the first Adam. All right? So the Bible says we've sinned, but not like his sin. I'm not the federal head of the whole human race. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Say free gift. For if through the offense of one, meaning me be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, one man, one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. See, we had the first Adam and the last Adam right there. Okay. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one <clears throat> to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. He sinned one time, brought the whole world into condemnation. How many of you could say that you've only sinned one time? There's no measurement on this. There's no limitation to the power of its cleansing. It's unto many offenses. Many offenses unto justification. You with me? For if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more that they which have received abundance of grace were sinned about grace did that much of war abound. You with me? And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift come upon all men into justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You see this? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace did that much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Are y'all here? Oh, God's good. Thank you, Jesus. You see this. Hmm. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at the first Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, so you'll know that I'm giving you biblical terms. First Corinthians 15, verse 22. For as in Adam, say in Adam, all die. Now I know this deals with the, the resurrection of the body, but it's also true spiritually. If you stay underneath that old headship of the fallen Adam, you will die spiritually be lost see we got to get out from underneath the old headship of Adam and get under the new headship a new headship a new family with me all right let's go to first Corinthians um, I'm gonna read this first one too for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive first Adam last Adam first man second man 
first Adam, last Adam. There's not ever going to be another Adam. There will be another federal head. He's not the second Adam. He's the second man. With me? Say last Adam. All right, verse uh, 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. It is so it is written. The first man. Say first man. Okay. First man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam. <laughs> what is Jesus called there? The last Adam. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly, the second man is the Lord from heaven. So we have a first Adam and a last Adam, and the first Adam is a figure of him that was to come. He's a type and a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that what happened to Adam when he was put to sleep, his side was opened up and a woman came from that side. The same thing happened to Jesus Christ. When he went to sleep, his side was opened up and a woman paid the price of a woman. If you only knew who you were. I'm his bride. I'm his lady. You understand this? So we have then the old head. We got to get out from the old head, right? We got to get out of him. So how do I get out of him and how do I get in him? Out of Adam and get into the last Adam. Somebody get Galatians 3, 26 and 27 for me. If you don't get it quicker than I do, then I'll read it, okay? Galatians 3, 26 and 27. All right, brother, Jason, go ahead. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So if you're under the old Adamic nature, you have not been born again yet. You will die. So you've got to get out from underneath that old federal head that brought condemnation and death into your life. And the way you do it is when you're buried with Him in baptism... You put on the new head. You put on Christ. You leave the old society. You move into a new society. And it's by water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me it's not important. You got out from underneath the old brotherhood of Adam and you got into a new family, the family of God. You're in a new society. You're his Isha. You are the new Eve. You have a new name. And you're in a new family. And you have a new head. You have a new prototype. You have a new pattern, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you understand what we're trying to show you here? Is the reason why you got to get out from underneath the old pattern is because you will be what the pattern is like. If you stay under the old Adam, I'm talking about that Adamic nature, controlled by it, lost, then you will be like the pattern, the old Adam. You with me? You will live after the fallen nature. 
it will govern your life. So you got to get out from underneath that. you got to get a new prototype. And the new prototype, the new pattern is Jesus Christ. And so what? What? Okay, how many ladies sew? We've gone through this before a little bit. How many you sew? Take a pattern. The pattern's the prototype. You put the pattern on the cloth. You cut the cloth out around the prototype. And the cloth is the genotype. So the prototype's the pattern and the cloth is the genotype. Jesus is the prototype. He's the head of a new family. Come on. He's the last Adam. I am the genotype, which means that I'm just like him. Come on, somebody. The devil went into. He went into the Garden of Eden and he tempted Adam and Eve to follow him. They sin. Now, come on. They've got a fallen nature inside of them. They are no longer in the image of God. When they fail, yes, we're in the image of God, but the image of God is marred. You've got to see this. With me? Whose image are you in then if you're not in the image of God this morning? You're in the image of Adam, the first Adam. Come on, you with me? All right, notice what the Lord Jesus did. When he came into the world, he walked into the wilderness. There to be tempted by the devil. The first Adam, come on, fell into sin. But the last Adam said, go ahead, tempt me. But I'm not going to fall because I'm the last Adam. I'm going to represent a whole new family, a whole new society. I'm going to have an Isha, a woman. I'm going to have a new Eve. She's going to have a new name. And she's going to bear my image. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus Christ is the expressed image of God. And you're not in the image of God until you get the image of God inside of you. And the image of God inside of you is Jesus Christ. So when you're water baptized in Jesus' name, it's not just for the remission of your sins. It's to take you out from one federal head to put you into a new federal head. So that you don't just bear the image of the earthly, but you bear the image of the Lord of heaven, the last Adam. In a new family, a new society with a new name. Okay. The Lord said, I'm not giving in to you, devil. You've come to tempt me. You want to destroy the image. But I will not bow. And he overcame the devil. That's what the first Adam should have done in the garden. Don't tell me we don't preach the truth, man. That's why what our baptism, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 tells you that you get in Christ by being baptized into Christ. You get his image by being filled with the Spirit of God. Okay? Now... My thoughts. My thought, my thought, my thought. Yeah. Genesis 5. Let's look at this. See, I'm going to prove this to you. Genesis 5 and verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Say the generations of Adam. <laughs> 
Now look at your neighbor and say regeneration. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Well, now you can go to sleep. That's why you win so many souls. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. When he first created him. He was an offspring of God. He was God's son. Offspring of God himself, man. You with me? All right. The male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. So what was Eve's name? What was the woman's name before the fall? Isha. Well, woman, that's who she was, Isha. But her name was Adam. So it was Mr. Adam and Mrs. Adam. Not Adam and Eve, Adam and Adam. One name, one family, one identification. Called by one name. Then they fell and they had separate identification. Okay, well, we got to change this. So go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. And it's not just baptism in water. Ephesians 3. <clears throat> Okay, and I believe I will start with uh, verse 14. Uh, the, yeah, Ephesians 3. Is everybody there? For this cause I bow my knees. See, I told you you got to go all the way back to where I started. His, where was his knees? See, some of y'all are waiting for the good part. <laughs> when I got started, I would just wait for the good part. No, I was already in the good part. Look, look. This ought to make, see, if you're God's child, this ought to make you just. Look. We're, okay. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And my question is this. When did you get that name? When were you called by the one name? The Bible said the whole family in heaven and in earth is called by one name. And it's the name of the last Adam. And his name is Jesus. Don't tell me that you can baptize in the titles or you don't even need baptism. That's not what the Bible teaches, my friend. You need to stop listening to these false prophets. He's an awesome God. 
So go to Matthew 1. Hallelujah. Oh, no, no, no. Genesis 5. I've got to keep reading. I've got to show you. Genesis 5. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, I can't go to church today because I'm so tired. They miss one of the most important messages of their life because of their flesh. Demon controlled Amalek. 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 I warned you. I warned you. I warned you. I preached about Amalek. Oh, yeah, you get excited, you know. You hear the truth. Get excited about it. But then, oh, Amalek starts coming and talking to you. Amalek. Demon controlled flesh. Look. Right, look at Genesis. Well, you, uh, you're stirred up, Pastor. You're right. Okay, male and female created he them. Blessed them, called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. When you got baptized in Jesus' name, you became a new creation. A new creation. New creation, speaking with new tongues, have a new name, going to the new Jerusalem. Have a new life of holiness. Okay, it says, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness. After his image and called his name Seth. So therefore, after the fall, everybody was created, was created in Adam's image. He was created in the likeness of God. Man fell. We needed to be regenerated. Born again. You hear? New, really, newly created, recreated. Oh, okay. This is the genealogies of the generations of Adam. Go to Matthew 1. The last Adam tells us. Thank you, Lord. Y'all getting tired? This, okay, here we go, Matthew 1. <laughs> the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judas, and on and on it goes. This is the, in the family of Jesus Christ. This is the listing of his genealogy, his generation. The only way that you're going to be in the Lamb's book of life is to be regenerated. Because the Lamb's book of life is his family. So you got to get in his generation by regeneration. Because you were born in generation from Adam, but you got to be regenerated and get in the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And that's how you get in the book of life. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, then how did you get regenerated? How did you get a new name, a new family, a new society and become his bride? Blood mingled with water. Jesus' name, baptism. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. 
Are you here with me? Isn't it a God a good God? Now, what's so awesome about this is that, as we said, he purchased the church with his blood. The blood of the woman. Oh, my. Well, whose blood are we talking about here? The second person in the, the Trinity. Oh, wake up, stoop. I mean, I mean. Go to Acts 20, verse 28. I'm going to show you whose blood <coughs> purchased us. Acts 20, verse 28. This is one of the most powerful one God scriptures that declare that Jesus is God in the whole Bible. Acts 20, verse 28. Who has it? Brother, please read it. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. God purchased the church with his own blood. Listen to me. John 4 says that God is a spirit. Jesus, when he came out of the grave, he said, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see me have. But God purchased the church with his own blood, which means that he added to himself a human nature which had blood in it and offered that humanity up as a sacrifice for us. But the blood that was in Jesus Christ was the blood of God, not the blood of Adam. So the first person did not look at the second person and say, son, I love you so much. Uh, would you, but, but would you go down and die for these people for me? No, the God of creation said, I will robe myself in flesh, blood, and bone. I will walk among men and then offer my son, my flesh, as a sacrifice. And I will pour out or I will shed my blood for their redemption. It was the blood of God Almighty that, that redeems you, friend. That's why it's so powerful. No, that's why we get excited about the name of Jesus. Because the blood of God is in the name of Jesus. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name, the blood of God is applied to your life to wash away all of your sins. And then the life of God, His Spirit, comes inside of you and fills you. No wonder this church gets excited. We're his Ishai. He looks at us and he says, Ishai, God says, I bought you. God says, I love you. Ishai, I love you. And you want to go sit in a dull, dry, dead religious system. Heaven help us all. I want to be the, be the bride. Amen. So, okay. Isaiah 53, verse 11. Let's look at this. Isn't God good? 
Now we know this passage is the suffering servant of Jehovah. When God would become a man. Amen. Jesus Christ. Prophecy about his death. Most beautiful passage of scriptures in all of the Bible. And look what it says. In Isaiah 53. In verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant. God is so good. Justify me. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for transgressors. God said, I saw that flesh and blood that I put on, and I walked him up, willing to die. And multitudes of people in their sin. And I saw him travail on that cross. And travail is what my sister Nicole, wherever she is, is going to be going through pretty soon. Uh, let me see. Yeah, there you are. She's fixing to start travailing. It's a, it's a, a term of childbirth. Can you imagine Isaiah... <laughs> See, he's the first one that got the revelation that, that the lamb was a man. Of course, Adam offered up his son. He got a knowledge too. But really, prophetically, the prophet Isaiah saw the lamb is a man. All of a sudden, he sees this man in childbirth. A man in childbirth. Giving birth to something. A man. Like a woman. Oh, you, you got to see that. There he is hanging on the cross. And out of his side came the church. And he gave birth to a family. The family of God. He, like hanging on the cross. It was like he was going into the convulsions, the labor pains, uh, the pain, the travail of giving birth to a church, giving birth to you, giving birth to me. He saw me. He saw you. He did it for us. Praise God. There's a lot in this, isn't there? Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad here? You're his Isha. Somebody said, nobody loves me. Yeah. Ish. Ish, the man. Jesus loves me. I'm Isha. I'm his lady. Shatalabokokosi. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't he? 
Now I need to go to this second aspect. All right, say water baptism in Jesus' name. See what all it does for you? When you got married, you took the name of your husband. When I got married, I took the name of my new husband. I've got a new name. I'm part of a new family, a part of a new society. A part. I have a new prototype. All by obeying the Word of God and being baptized in His name and being filled with His Spirit. My, I want to tell you something. If I didn't have the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't leave this place. I don't care if it took me a month. To, to yield myself to His Spirit, I would not leave this place without knowing that I'm filled with the Spirit of this awesome God who loved me that much. Okay. Let me go to the second aspect. Numbers 19. I, I tell you what, I'm not going to have time to read it all. Write it down read it. This is the second aspect. This, say, Ashes of the Red Heifer. God told them to take a red heifer, perfectly red, no blemishes on it, and not even a white hair or a black hair on the whole thing. She had to be a female, she had to be a heifer, and she had to be red. With me? They would kill her, they would take her, and they would burn her outside the camp, just outside the Damascus gate, sometimes called the horse gate. With me? Jesus Christ was, where was he crucified? Outside the gate. Okay, I'm going to say this. If you know different, tell me. But I believe it was right outside the horse gate, or the Damascus gate, that he was crucified. Same place they took the heifer out. Shadalabo, give God praise. But it's a female sacrifice. It's not a bull. It's not a man. It's a female. It's a heifer. Red heifer. A red heifer. You take that heifer and you burn that heifer. But not only that, you take a scarlet piece of scarlet cloth and you throw it in there with the fire. And you take also uh, cedar wood. And you throw cedar wood in the flames. And you take hyssop. And you throw the hyssop. So you've got the hyssop, the cedar, and the scarlet. And it's burning with this red heifer. Are you here? Come on. Well, let me tell you. This is all a type and picture of Jesus Christ taking your place, dying for us outside the gates. With me? All right. The scarlet is a picture of his suffering. The cedar, say the cedar, has medicinal properties in it. God said, I'm going to heal your bodies. The hyssop, you could use hyssop for a detergent. And he said, I'm going to cleanse you. And you take those ashes of that red heifer from that burnt sacrifice that was mingled with the scarlet and the cedar and the hyssop. And you put it in water. And it's going to be the water of sanctification. The water of purification. The water of separation. And it says also for cleansing from sin. But it's the water of separation. Say second aspect. Are you here? 
So I'm baptized in Jesus' name, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You with me? But my feet get dirty in this world, and I get contaminated in my, oh, my flesh, you know? Sprinkled with that water, and that water sets you apart, sanctifies. And cleanses you from that sin so that when you come to church and you hear the word of God preached then the word of God does what the ashes mingled with the water does did for them in the Old Testament the water of the word of God takes care of my dirty feet it, it, hallelujah it gets rid of the contamination it gets the world out of me it gets me lined up with his purpose again Tell you what, this word is so powerful, it can give you victory over the contaminations of this world. Yeah. How many of y'all want to make it? Yeah. I'll tell you how. Listen, first got in the church, I told my pastor, I said, Pastor, you know, I've been reading the Bible, I'm trying to read it all the way through. And he said, You know what, you're gonna make it. Hallelujah. I said, I'm going, I look at him and say, What do you mean I'm gonna make it? Just because I'm reading the Bible? He said, yeah, you're going to make it. As long as you stay in the Word of God. See, listen to me. Sin will keep you from the Word. Sin will keep you from the house. Or the Word will keep you from sin. So don't run out and say, oh, I'm so convicted and I feel so bad. That's Jesus standing there in the open field, judging your sin. But he's saying, when you look at your dirty hands, James says it's a mirror. The Word of God is a mirror. And when you look into it, you behold your natural flesh. And you see your hair is messed up. And you see uh, you need to shave. You need to wash. So the Word of God is a mirror. When you see yourself, then you go to God for cleansing. People, they leave God's word, leave God's church, leave God, and go out and walk with demons. They're walking with demons. They come to the house of God and let God's word deal with them and let God's word correct them. Then they can be cleansed from their sin. If they go the other way, they'll walk with demons. Come on, are you with me? And what's so beautiful is that in Numbers 19, we see that it is given to be a lie detector's test to see if a woman is faithful or not faithful. And she'd walk in there before the tabernacle of God and that priest would get some of the dirt off the ground. Come on, somebody. Ashes of the red heifer put in the water. She was made to drink that. She sat down in that chair. And if she was unfaithful to her husband, her thighs begin to swell. Her thighs begin to rot. And she began to die right there because she was unfaithful. That was Israel sitting in that chair. That was me sitting in that chair. I was unfaithful to my God, the lover of my soul. I was sitting there and the judgment of the law of God which had been written down that was in that water condemned me. 
I started dying. I started, my flesh was rotting. Sit down, Brother Jason. But then the Lord Jesus Christ came into the tabernacle and he said, Get up, guilty adulteress. I'm going to sit in your place. And I'm going to die for a woman. I'm going to die for an unfaithful and adulteress. I'm going to take her place. This is the most powerful thing. Isn't God good? Give God praise. So we go to Titus 3 5. I gotta, I'm gonna finish up here. Titus 3 5. Mm, praise God. Put that numbers 19 with the Ezekiel chapter 16. You'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, Revelation. Where am I? Where am I? Titus. Titus 3 5. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you know the Lord today? Aren't you glad that He, he did all this for us? Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. I sit where they sit. That's John 8. Jesus sitting there between the law and that adulteress that was caught. He reached, stooped down and rode in the dust of the ground. It's all a picture. He took our place. He took her place. He forgave her, said, go and sin no more because I'm going to die for you. John 3, 5, he says, by his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Okay. And renewing of the Holy Ghost. If you study, you will find that washing of regeneration is the washing, literally, Literally, the original says the washing of the labor. And this verse points you all the way back to the labor. It says, if you will do what was in the labor, you'll be saved. Regeneration. See, you must be baptized. You must be filled with the Spirit of God. Most people today are religious and think they're saved and on their way to glory. Look at you and tell you, ah, we don't need to be baptized in this name. It's no big deal. I'm going to show a verse of scripture to you that prophetically lets us know those people would be in these days. Give God praise. Praise God. Isn't God good? Okay. Let me do that first, all right? Well, hallelujah. How are we cleansed? By the blood, Revelation 1.5. He keeps on cleansing us, right? Yeah. Revelation 1.5, Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Acts 2.38 says, Baptism in Jesus' name is for the remission of sins. So you've got to have the blood, right? Well, the blood's in the name, Acts 5.28. Right? Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this man's name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, apostles. With your doctrine, intending to bring this man's blood upon us. So when they preached the name, 
they will bring you the blood upon these people. Which means you're guilty of the blood or you're cleansed by the blood. So when we baptize in the name, the blood cleanses you. Because the blood's in the name. But if you are on the other side of that, the name, the blood condemns you. See what I'm saying here? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22, Acts 5.28 says the blood's in the name. That's why we baptize in the name. And it's for the remission of sins, blood mingled with water. You understand? And some people say, well, it doesn't really matter. Go to Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. Verse 5, look at this. It's a prophecy. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Oh, thank God for people who tremble at the word. Notice, he says, Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Why were you cast out? Because of your stand for the name. The name is a fine line of separation in Christendom. And when you stand up and you tell people they must be baptized in Jesus' name, that's when they get up out of the church and walk out if they're religious. And God says this, I will appear to their shame. You know what they said? They said, well, praise the Lord. I don't believe the name's important. Praise the Lord. I say, when I come back, I'm going to appear to their shame and I'm going to appear to your glory. Don't ever deny the name. The fine line of separation. I know what I'm talking about. I agree totally with Jeff Arnold. I recently listened to Jeff Arnold preacher John 8. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Come on. If you continue in my word. Not those who start and then quit. But those that continue. You better get a hold of yourself this morning. If you continue in my word. Then are you my disciples. Not those that start and don't finish. But those that continue. Then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. And he said this. He's noticed that when he preaches about the love of God. But when he takes people to continue. He takes them deeper in the Word. He shows them what's required to be a disciple. He shows them holiness. He shows them Jesus' name, baptism, and the Holy Ghost's necessity. That's when He sees their faces change. They no longer walk with Him. You hear? I know, I know, because I've done that too. Stand up here and preach about the love of God and all the good things of God. Everybody say, praise God. You start preaching holiness though. Faces change. Start preaching tithing. If he don't have your God, if he don't have this God, honey, he don't have you. Your God is that wallet. But I, I tell you, I've seen a man. You start preaching, continue in the word. Start preaching what's required to be a disciple. Oh, things start changing then, man. He's right. I totally agree with him. People say, well, hey, hey, hey. Start talking to him about loving Jesus. 
Oh, yeah, God's so loving, you know. I'm so glad I know Him, you know. And praise God. He's just, just a God of blessing. But you watch what happens. You start changing the conversation. You start telling them, you know what? You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And you need to live a holy life. You need to be obedient. Uh, that's when your best friends turn around and say, oh, see you later. That's why I told some of you to be who you are. And that's apostolic and Pentecostal. And you won't have to worry about your old friends. They'll leave you as fast as they came to you. But if you sit around with them and you pancake with Jesus. You talk about love. If you continue in my word, you got to go further. You want the crown? I'm going to tell you sometimes, man, I went to church and I felt so convicted. I didn't want to, come on, I wanted to hide under the pew, man. I wanted to climb under the altar. I felt so convicted and so bad. But you know what I did? I went to that altar and I cried and I asked God to give me the victory over my flesh. I've got to continue. Which is just about every church service, man. I'm telling you the truth, man. Go with me to Exodus 38, verse 8, and I'll show you where this brass came from, and I'm going to close. <coughs> we know how Jesus fulfilled this when he was baptized in water in the river Jordan. He's baptized in the house of passage, the, the same place that Joshua and them crossed over. Jesus said, uh, God said, This day have I magnified you in the eyes of the people. Joshua, when Jesus came up out of the water, there's a voice that said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Not with whom, in whom. He magnified Jesus, Joshua, in the New Testament, in the eyes of the people. You with me today? Joshua led them into the promised land. Jesus Christ leads you in and gives you victory over all your enemies. Joshua 4 says, it goes all the way back to the city of Adam. It goes all the way back to original sin. See, the Word of God is so full of types and pictures and beautiful things to let you know. It's so simple. But, you know, we got to be preached two hours. A two-hour message on uh, why baptism is important for us to believe, it, you know. But, hey, God knows where we are. So He gives us all these pretty pictures in the Bible. And He said, this is what happens to you. This is the wonder thing, wonderful thing. He reaches all the way back to Adam. You with me still? Okay, let's go to Exodus 38, verse 8. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Y'all, are y'all all right? <laughs> okay. He made the labor of brass and the foot of it brass of the looking glasses of the women. Isn't that awesome? Woman, 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 all through this thing. Woman, 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 all through this thing. Even what it's made out of, made out of a woman's 
looking glass. The looking glass of the women assembled, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The assembled women. Not the women of the world. The assembled women. Another translation says, from the women who prayed and fasted. Committed women. Dedicated women. Who loved that tabernacle. Who prayed. Who fasted. Who were consecrated. Who were separated. So, just look. Just hang with me. One day they're looking in these looking glasses. Putting up that, put, putting on bat guano. <laughs> That's where all that mascara comes from. You do know that, right? Bat guano. Bat, you know. Uh, I just see my, my tongue, boy, I just, that's what it is. It's bat, you know. That's what you have on your face right now if you've got mascara on. You've got bat dookie on your face. Come over here, let me smell you. No wonder, no wonder your husband says, get out of my face, man. You smell funny. So one morning, they're up there, they're putting back guano on their eyeballs. Putting big old red lipstick on their, on their lips. Hallelujah. Come on thinking they're just beautiful, man. <laughs> oh, sh- The world is saying, that's beauty. <laughs> and they're here in the world. But all of a sudden, they hear Moses say, women, bring a sacrifice. I know it's difficult. I know it's going to be a sacrifice for you to give up that worldly beauty. I know it, but bring it to the tabernacle. And those ladies took their looking glasses, these polished brass, and gave it to Moses to build that labor right there. So they would they stopped walking in earthly beauty for heavenly holiness. They said this tabernacle's more important to me than this earthly beauty is. This Jesus is more important to me than the worldly beauty. I want heavenly holiness. Willing to sacrifice it for the tabernacle. As you study the life of Jesus, the true tabernacle, you will see the women ministering to that tabernacle. You will see women contributing to that tabernacle. You will see Jesus was very important. To those women that followed him. Give God praise. You know, I'm not a lady. See, I'm better looking than the ladies. 
I really am. Stand up, Brother Art. You're better looking than every lady, uh, brother. All the brethren, stand up. You're better looking than any woman. You know that's not right. But I've always said, why is it that if I'm uglier than them, why don't I wear makeup? Why don't I put a mask on? To make myself pretty. But it's the women, the, the most beautiful of God's creation that the world has come to and says, you're not beautiful in and of yourself. You need a mask. That's the devil corrupting the woman. Doesn't that make sense to you ladies? And I know it's a sacrifice for a lady to do that. It was a sacrifice for them to do that. But who are we going to listen to? The world or God? Next time a woman comes up to you and says, you know what, you sure do look pale. You don't look very pretty without makeup. You know what you do? You look like a whore to me. That's what you look like to God too. You look like a whore is what you look like. Everywhere you go, you're inviting men. You're asking men to come lay with you. Come on. But I got another lover. Look at him say, I got another lover. His name is Jesus. I'm not a whore. I'm a wife. telling you man well that wouldn't be very nice well it might just put them under conviction amen praise the Lord most beautiful women in the world are the women of God who don't wear a mask Some of you ladies heard the truth when you went to that conference, but I want to tell you something. Amalek, Amalek, Amalek. He's going to come and talk to you again. And he's going to tell you, don't go out of this house looking like that. That's Amalek talking to you. You think God, you think the Holy Spirit of God is going to come to you and tell you, you're ugly. That's not, I'm trying to show you, that's not the Spirit of God. He's telling you you're ugly. God's not telling you you're ugly. That's Amalek telling you that. That's, the, that's your friends that are controlled by Amalek. I know it's difficult. Praise God. But it's powerful. How many, when you took a stand for heavenly holiness, the power of God came on you like never before. Jesus wants lipstick on his face. I think when he looks at you, he wants to see you for who you are. 
come on. Come, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. If I come up here wearing makeup. Oh, wouldn't y'all think that was kind of ridiculous? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? I come up here and put on big old rosy red lips, you know, big old lip. And then I might even, I don't know, I don't mind. You can curl your hair. I don't mind that. But, you know, some dudes get into curling hair. I know what would happen to me if I put on red lips and I put on makeup and I curl my hair. I start talking about the wall. I'm I know. I'd start acting like a woman of the world. You with me? Come on, somebody. You see how beautiful this is? Okay, I know I'm being stupid, but I'm not being stupid. If it's ridiculous for me, and I'm uglier than you are as a man, to put makeup on my face, then how can it be right for you, a beautiful woman who's been created by God, to put it on your face? Tell me! Give me the reason behind it! Other than the world, this demonic, possessed world that's controlled by demon powers. Tell me. Show me. See, why, why the people in the world have a problem with this because you're putting them under heavy conviction, man. Heavy conviction. So they got to hit you back. Is everybody still alive? <laughs> I didn't cut you up too much, did I? Pull out the sword, man. God's awesome. Remember, there's two aspects to this right here. It's all right there. But I want to close with this. You can't just, you can sit down. You can't just go over there and look inside that labor and it do anything for you. You can't go look at the water baptismal tank and just look in that water and say, boy, that water sure is pretty. Uh-uh. You've got to apply it to your life. You can't just come to the, to, the, to the church and say, hear the word of God and say, oh, that was neat. And just look at it. You've got to live by it. You've got to apply it. Are you here? First Kings chapter 7. It tells us that in the temple, there were ten of these. Say ten of them. And a big old molten sea. One big molten sea. With twelve oxen underneath it. Right? Let me give you the verse. Remember the big old sea of glass in front of the throne of God? That's it. Thank you, Lord. In First Kings, I believe it's First Kings. Let me double check, make sure. 
Yep, First Kings seven twenty six. Look at this, please. And it was a handbreadth thick, and the brim thereof was wrought like the brim of a cup with flowers of lilies. It contained two thousand bats. Just talking about that molten sea. With me? Say it contained two thousand bats. Uh, let's hope and pray this is right. Let's go over. Second mm, Chronicles four verse five. And the thickness of it was a handbreadth, the brim of it like the work of a brim of a cup with flowers of lilies, and it received and held three thousand baths. <laughs> Well, 1 Kings 7, it says 2,000. In 2 Chronicles, it says 3,000. What's going on here? Well, y'all go study. Now go find out. <laughs> you know why? Because for 2,000 years, there's going to be a church age. And it's going to be in use. For 2,000 years. With me? We are about to see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the devil is trying to hit you so hard. Because 2,000 year church age is almost over. And while it was in use, it held 2,000 bats. My Bible's on one commemoration. While it's in use, 2,000 bats, 2,000 year church age. You don't think Jesus is about to come. People getting baptized in Jesus' name for that 2,000-year period. Then it says, three, it all, in St. Chronicles, it says 3,000 baths. 2,000-year church age, 1,000-year kingdom age, 3,000 years, the fullness of the kingdom. By the time you get to the end of 3,000 years from the birth of Christ, if it's from the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, that's around 33 A.D., then we have a little more time. But I'm trying to tell you this. We are very, very rapidly coming to the end of the church age. Beginning of the thousand-year kingdom age, ends a thousand years later, and you have three thousand years. That's the picture of that big molten sea that has twelve oxen, four, uh, three facing four directions. Those are the apostles' doctrine. It must go to the whole world, and everybody must experience it if they're going to be saved and be in the kingdom. It's a two-thousand-year church age. What year is it, by the way? Two thousand. I mean, some of y'all are real quiet in here. I know you heard the word then. But isn't it amazing? In Revelation, it tells us that before the throne, there is, in Revelation 4, verse 6, there is a sea of glass, crystal clear. Hmm. Beautiful. I'm going to close in, in two hours. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like a crystal. In the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. There's that crystal. Clear. Well, I'm going to see that someday. How many of y'all going to see that someday? It's crystal clear. Because when I get to heaven... There will be no need for cleansing. 
Because during the church age, I went and got my sins cleansed at a labor. But when I get in heaven, I don't need to be cleansed. It's crystal clear. It did its work. It did its work. It cleansed me from my sin when I was baptized. And it keeps on cleansing me. Every day that I get into the Word, it keeps on cleansing me. It did its work. And all, the, all of those that are asleep say amen. All right. <laughs> Let's stand and worship the Lord. God, I worship you. I praise you. Thank you for the word of God, Lord Jesus. I thank you that I'm in your bride, that I'm in your church. I thank you, God, for all these people, Lord, that are here today, that are baptized in your name and filled with your spirit, that are called by your name, part of your bride. You're soon to come and get us, Father. And we're going to see, God, that crystal clear sea of glass before your throne. Now, thank you, Lord Jesus for the power of this blood to cleanse us. For this power of the Word of God to cleanse us. Thank you for it, Father God. Thank you for doing the work in our lives. Thank you for convicting us, God. Lord, if I ever lose that conviction, if I ever lose that sense of your dealing with my life, Oh, Father, what a miserable person I would be. So, Father, I just thank you right now for continually dealing with my life, convicting me, delivering me, God, from the filth of the flesh, the filth of the contamination of this world. I thank you for it, Lord. And I trust you, God, today. the power of cleansing. Cleanse all of us this morning, Lord. For all of us that come short of the glory of God. Your word has put us all under conviction this morning in different areas of our life. But right now, Lord, we thank you for the refreshing water of the word of God that not only convicts us, but cleanses us right now. And I thank you for forgiveness of sin. For I have come short of your glory, Lord. I have. I thank you right now for dealing with me. Oh, God, and washing me clean. And I just praise you for all these women here today that love you. All these women that, that you are so important to them, Lord. You are their tabernacle. They have contributed to you. They have sacrificed for you. They have embraced you. And they have ministered to you. And Father God, I just pray that you would bless them right now. And you would encourage them right now. And you would love them right now, Father. Wrap your, wrap your arms around them, Lord. I ask you right now. And hold them, Jesus. You know all the battles. You know the war, the church. Your lady is 
fighting. I just pray right now, Father. Oh, not just Father, but I, my husband. My husband. Jesus, fight for us, Lord. You're our husband. Praise God. God. Praise God. The Lord Jesus, there's a lady in the church right now that's had a very difficult time this week. You've talked to me about her all week long. I pray for her all week long, Lord. Father God, I just ask right now, Jesus, that she would have a face-to-face -face encounter with you. The enemy comes and talks to her and tells her she's not going to make it in this way. She's not going to survive and she's not going to make it. That's the enemy, that's Amalek. Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak into her heart and ears right now. These words, I love you. I love you. You are my lady. You are my lady. You are my wife. I am your husband. Thank you, Jesus. I will provide for you. I will supply your needs. I will fight for you. Some through the fire. Some through the flood. Thank you, Jesus. Some through great temptation, but all through the blood. Right now, Father. Take that one by the hand. Lead him through the fire. Lead him through the flood. Lead him through the temptations of this world. <sighs> Lead him through the blood. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hide us, Father. Hide us. Hide us from the enemy. In the cliffs of the rock. Hide us. My love, thou art in the clefts of 
my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Lift your face. Don't bow your head. Lift your face and let him look upon you right now. Let him see you as you are right now. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to cover anything up. Don't try to be what you are not. Be who you are. And speak to him right now. He wants to hear your voice. Telling you, love Father, I appreciate you. <laughs> Lord, you see me standing in this church right now. You know all of my weaknesses. You know all of my failures. You still look in my countenance, Lord Jesus. You still want to see me. knows your pain he knows your suffering but you cover up with a smile upon your face when you come to church he knows the tears you've been crying in the nighttime the struggles and the difficulties just lift that same face up to him right now lift that same voice up to him he's your helper thy maker is thy husband Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. I ask you, Lord, please use me. 
Don't refuse me. Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up. Please use me, Lord. Don't refuse me. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Lord, I don't know why you love us so much. I don't understand. I'll never understand why you love so much, why you're so compassionate, so merciful, so gracious, so kind. Precious God, you're awesome. Praise God. Father. persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor songs you played any of them is fine play one of the songs this morning hallelujah and there's an awesome love of God here this morning awesome love praise God thank you Jesus praise God I want to tell you something man God is doing an awesome work he has delivered people from sin that you could not even begin to imagine there are people that have been coming to this church that have been in bondage to major, major things. God is filling them with the Holy Ghost, delivering them. Some of them are going to be baptized in Jesus' name tonight. The love of God is beyond our imagination. He's awesome. He can say to the uttermost, them that call upon Him, He's going to use this church to see many people that are in bondage to major sin set free by the power of His Spirit, the power of His love, power of His Word. Thank You for deliverance. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank You, Lord, for love. My, my, my. Lift Your hand, would You please? Right now, let Him touch You. Let Him touch You.
Spirit, my Lord, that you would love such a one as
Some of y'all are struggling right now with things in your life. Ask the Lord to take the desire away. You can't do it. You need Him to help you take that desire away. Father God, I just pray right now, Jesus, for that person who's struggling with that desire. Just take that desire away from them, Lord God, and replace it, Lord, with something better, Lord. I ask in your mighty name, Jesus. If you're married right now, I want you to go to your husband and your wife, and I want you to look each other in the eyes. And I want you to tell them that you love them. Everybody else, you just bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Praise God. First Corinthians 13 tells us that we should see through a glass dimly now. Those of you who right now are looking in the, the eyes of your husband and your wife, that something is happening in you. Something is breaking in you. Y'all need to look in the eyes of the Lord right now. And you need to understand that that same kind of love, even greater, causes you to be broken up. It's the kind of love and compassion that Jesus has for you. You see the love of God in His eyes right now. Jesus, to hear your voice. You're not worthy, but he's, he, he's made you worthy. He's made you that way. Praise God. Enjoy hearing your voice. Not just on the outside. You need cleansing on the inside. You need to let tears flow. Those tears that flow are the liquid, liquefied pain that's in your life. It comes out of you, the depth of your soul and cleanses your soul. And there are times when I think I can see your face more clearly. Thank you, Jesus. As the sun reveals the day, and this life I want to know you. Lord, I believe that I'm going to see you face to face very soon.
now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll see you tonight. Come back and believe God's going to bless us. Hallelujah with His Word. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for your spirit, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Praise God.